for the long term. The only class you should invest in is uh, stocks, uh, stocks for the long run, you know, as uh, people say, because they are a hedge against inflation, they are hedge against uh, dislocations from uh, one area of the world to another area of the world, and uh, you you surf on the growth of the world, and uh, the world, uh, no matter what, is uh, bound to grow, and uh, you piggyback on it. Welcome to another episode of In Your Best Interest, your personal finance podcast. I'm your host, Philip Müller, and that was Gianfilippo Cuneo. Gianfilippo founded the Italian office of Bain in 1989 after spending more than 22 years at McKinsey. He talks about his biggest investment, the 3 billion euro consortium buyout of the Italian Yellow Pages publisher Seat Pagine Giale, what he spoke about with Warren Buffett during a lunch event, and how to manage family businesses. Gianfilippo, I'm very intrigued to know more about your decision behind going to the US as an exchange student in 1959, which was a long time ago. Well, it was uh, just a simple curiosity. Uh, I was doing uh, well in school and I always looking for uh, the next thing. So when I heard about the possibility of spending one year in an, in, a, in an American family in high school, I jumped on it. So, and I got selected and left. Uh, and I, at that time, I crossed the Atlantic by boat. And, uh, oh, because, really? Uh, yes, because uh, I had to bring uh, all my clothes and uh, things like that. And, uh, and uh, whatever. And the um, uh, American Field Service was paying for the boat trip. Actually, I crossed the Atlantic four times by boat. So, because oh, wow. I did it also on the way back, and then also when I went to business school, uh, I wanted to go by boat because it was nicer. Uh, it was a vacation, uh, and also when I came back eventually uh, in '68, uh, that was my last trip because I knew the boats were going out of commission. So, nice experience. Yeah. Uh, I. I, I... I lived in the U.S. for almost 13 years, right, um, after college as well. But so how did that, uh, you know, that experience going from uh, late 50s Europe to the United States, right? At that point, kind of like, you know, gold rush, but like, you know, like all this exciting technological changes and, you know, Wall Street. How has that influenced you throughout life that, that year in the U.S.? Well, that year in the U.S., uh, um definitely uh, opened my mind and uh, uh, made me understand early that uh, the world was the place where I wanted to be. And therefore, when I eventually uh, finished my university in Italy, immediately I applied for a scholarship to go to study again in the United States. And then uh, I... I wanted to get a job in the States for the, a limited period because at that time, the visa for students uh, um, that get, getting a job in, uh, in the States was uh, expiring in 18 months. But I, I found it a small trick to uh, postpone it to uh, 24 months, but eventually I had to leave. And uh, at that time, I was working in McKinsey and... Um, they moved me to uh, to France, and uh, and then uh, I arrived in France in May, at the end of May uh, 
68. And many people remember May 68 was uh, some sort of a revolution, but the revolution uh, had already ended by the time I got there. Uh, so there were debris of uh, smashed windows and uh, trees that had been cut down by students, but uh, business was um, uh, normal. And then eventually I came to Italy and uh, to open the Italian office, and then uh, uh, the career continued for about 22 years. Also but, a long uh, time at, at, at McKinsey, so lots of experience in different sectors then through that? Uh, I almost, uh, I don't say all sectors, but uh, going yeah. from automobiles to uh, uh, energy to uh, fashion to uh, banks. Uh, so um, it was a very wide experience. and um, But during that experience, I was always intrigued uh, if we were... The question was, uh, if we are so good in advising other people to do things, uh, why don't we do them those things ourselves? You know, the, yeah. why don't we um, try to make investments? But at that time, in McKinsey, that uh, proposition was uh, not accepted at all. And uh, so I actually was the first spin-off of McKinsey with another uh, 17 uh, consultants because we all wanted to uh, test ourselves with the next thing, uh, doing uh, a different type of consulting, but also investing and um, and finding the money and managing the money for investing and so forth. And, uh, and uh, it seemed natural uh, because, of course, we knew so many things. We knew how to improve companies we knew how to select managers and uh, so we learned uh, the the way of operating of uh, private equity funds and uh, and uh, it seemed very simple uh, to us you know you just uh, identify a company that needs to be uh, overhauled and uh, the management needs to improving then uh, you apply all the tricks that you have in your book and, uh, and then you improve the company and then eventually you sell it uh, for a profit. And, um, and in fact, in Bain, when, when we left McKinsey, we, we knew that we had to find an alliance uh, to serve our clients uh, all over the world. Uh, we had strong relationships with uh, clients like Fiat or ENI or the Benetton, and and of course, those are international companies. So we needed to have a, a quick access to an international network, and we found it in Bain. And we also found in Bain that they had already uh, moved into private equity themselves with the Bain Capital. Yeah. And uh, I got to know Ms. Romney and became good friends, and uh, I learned uh, uh, their their how they done things, and then it was natural to copy them uh, quickly in Italy with a, in a company that was an integral part of consulting. Uh, the company was called uh, Investitori Associati, and the first fund was uh, minuscule, was uh, uh, 30 million, uh, the equivalent of 30 million euros at, uh, of that time, and uh, in order to raise the money, of course, we had no understanding of how to raise money, uh, but we had an alliance with uh, 
Banca Commerciale Italiana, uh, who believed in us and um, helped us uh, convince uh, investors. And uh, that uh, in the, f the first one was uh, a great, great uh, success, uh, like at all things. It was uh, uh, perseverance, uh, ability, and luck, of course, because we'd stumbled on uh, three initiatives that uh, uh, returned, uh, literally returned uh, uh, billions for the investors. Yeah, super, super interesting. So you kind of went from the consulting side at McKinsey, where you really learned the tool set, right? You get the toolbox, and then you applied it uh, later on into the private equity space. So Gianfilippo, then if I, if I may go back a little bit, so you're at McKinsey for quite some time, right? So you start 20 to make, years, you know, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. So you start to make some money yourself, right? Um, were you always already at that point with your personal money interested in investing it or did you just save no, it? No, 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 what was... no, no. In McKinsey, we had um, the, 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 the personal retirement fund of McKinsey. It was uh, you were allowed to select the kind of risk categories that you uh, would want uh, your part of the fund to be invested in. And I always uh, selected the highest risk, which at that time was uh, private equity. And uh, I, I was amazed of the kind of results that I was getting through my, my indirect investment. So um, I knew that uh, and that was uh, the right to go, uh, the, the right way to go. Uh, except that when I started uh, with a, a Bain, the, the firm was called the Bain and Cuneo, all my um, assets uh, had to be invested in consulting uh, because we needed to finance a new uh, startup in consulting and uh, then eventually it became profitable pretty quickly. But we were really focused on expanding the consulting um, activity much more than the investment activity. Investment activity, uh, we consider it to be more or less like a... a a business card to show how good we were in consulting. Um, actually, I, I must say uh, I was late in understanding that that should have been uh, the number one activity uh, rather than the secondary activity. And in fact, uh, um, it took me another 12 years to really jump from uh, uh, consulting to, um, um, to, uh, to private equity entirely. Um, at the beginning, I, I was hoping to uh, keep uh, um, you know, one foot in uh, consulting and one foot in, uh, in uh, private equity. But in a small market like Italy, we ran into conflicts of interest situations. We were uh, competing for an acquisition against a, a client of ours in consulting. And that, was, <laughs> yeah. that wouldn't work. And therefore, yeah. we separated the private equity activity with uh, two of our consultants. Uh, we separated the offices, we separated the, the, um, the brand. And uh, uh, although uh, we did work together, in fact, uh, the biggest deal of, uh, of all, and I think it's uh, up to today, might be one of the still, of the still unsurpassed uh, um, 
records of, of Europe was the Yellow Page deal in which we invested, the, we, I led the investment of a, a consortium of uh, private equity firms. Uh, there were APAX, uh, BC Partners, uh, um, Bain Capital, and Investitori Associati in investing the equivalent of uh, 600 million euros in uh, uh, the, the buyout of the Italian Yellow Pages. And then uh, I put the best manager I knew in charge of the, of, of the company. And um, uh, uh, four years later, uh, we made, uh, the investors made uh, 20 times the investment. So in terms of uh, absolute returns, uh, 20 times is uh, a lot, but 20 times on uh, 600 million is uh, a, a sizable chunk of money that uh, I think still today one of the best uh, deals uh, in, in Europe so far. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Uh, that's a cr uh, crazy big deal. Um, uh, we, were, we, was, we were also helped by the fact that uh, um, between the time when we bought the company and the time that we exited, um, there was the big uh, internet bubble and yep. the yellow pages uh, where we were doing consulting work and so forth. We were able together with the management, uh, the manager of the yellow pages to reposition the yellow pages as the, an inter internet company, not a stodgy old uh, uh, publishing house. Uh, and uh, that what, that's the reason why we bought it uh, at a multiple of six times uh, uh, his historical uh, EBITDA, and then we sold it uh, basically at uh, 40 or 50 times uh, EBITDA. So uh, that helped, of course. <laughs> of course. So most of your personal investments then up to that point have always been in your own company, right? In your own funds. That's correct, yeah. So, and uh, uh, and very yeah. very little real estate. I didn't even own the, the house in which I live in Milan um, because I always thought that renting is cheaper. Uh, the, the, if you have an opportunity cost, a high opportunity cost in investing, uh, owing a house is a, a, a loss. Uh, um, I I did um, buy a house in the in the mountains, a house by the sea. Because in that case, you don't have the alternative of renting long term uh, yeah. and you want to do it properly. But uh, uh, everything else was um, you know, invested in a company, in a consulting activity. And the, the leftover was invested there with Investitore Associati and eventually also with other um, funds, but also uh, with um, individuals. In other words, uh, I was able to meet uh, some very uh, smart uh, young entrepreneur uh, uh, wanting to do more things and uh, startups and uh, things like that with a good knowledge of one business sector. And um, I also put my money, as uh, uh, my personal money, uh, not an investor's money, but my personal money um, behind uh, some of these people. And um, of course, uh, we get some uh, failures, but also uh, some outstanding uh, results. Uh, and uh, 
because of course nothing is more power, powerful than a very capable individual with an entrepreneurial spirit uh, focusing on a single business and running as fast and uh, as, po- as possible. And so if you um, back that person and uh, that person is uh, loyal and honest, uh, uh, you get the kind of results that you cannot get in public markets or, or even in a, a normal private equity. In the private equity, you expect to make uh, twice the money or three times the money in five years' time. When you back an individual like that, uh, you expect to make uh, 10, 20 times the money that you invest in him. Uh, but of course, you have to uh, take into account that uh, the risk of failure. So, um, when in order to make a comparison that makes sense, uh, you should say if I invest in a private equity fund, the private equity fund invests uh, in a ten uh, initiatives and get some result. If you invest in individual, is just one initiative. So, you should make a comparison with. Uh, uh, a case of investing in ten individuals, but that of that of course is not is not easy because also yeah. it's very time consuming. And these people require uh, coaching, uh, mentoring, uh, um, empathy, support, uh, time, and therefore you cannot do uh, many of those things. Uh, so, but yeah, no, it takes a lot of time. But so. And, and like, but I like that you said, hey, even in private equity funds, there's diversification. So we always preach to people, hey, you need to diversify investments, right? Don't bet it all on one horse. So I, and I, I do want to talk about one thing that you've talked to, we talked about, uh, and you told me that you got to meet Warren Buffett twice, right? So obviously Warren Buffett is, uh, for a lot of people, you know, the North Star when it comes to investing, investing philosophy. Um, so... First of all, I would like to know how you got to meet Warren Buffett because right now people are paying a lot of money to meet Warren Buffett, right? Uh, even for lunch uh, that he um, auctions off every year. And then also, what did you learn from him or did you talk to him about investing? Well, uh, the first time that I happened to attend a lunch, a private uh, event with some 20 people in Italy, uh, um, uh, Warren Buffett had been... Uh, invited uh, to attend this lunch uh, uh, at the home of uh, uh, one of the members of the Moratti family, one of the most uh, wealthiest uh, individuals. They knew each, each other at, uh, through different channels. and uh, But uh, obviously, I got to talk with uh, Warren Buffett. Uh, I mean, <laughs> a 10 minutes conversation because, of course, there were lots of other people in the room. And uh, um, so it was more of a social uh, event. But, uh, of course, uh, by that time, I already had read uh, uh, most of his uh, letters to shareholders. Uh, yeah. and, um, and I had the idea uh, of um, writing a book. I had been written other books before, uh, but this, was, uh, this one would have been uh, focused on... Uh, investing in Italy and comparing what would have, uh, Warren Buffett would have said as I interpreted uh, his letters to the shareholders and what I would have said in a similar situation. Most of the time, I would have said the same thing, of yeah. course. 
and um, uh, but the book is uh, is a nice uh, book that uh, got uh, wide uh, circulation in Italy. Uh, on one page, uh, on the left page, you have Warren Buffett and uh, says something, and the right page uh, uh, is me saying similar things or different things on a number of uh, subjects all related to investing, uh, the, the market, uh, the uh, contrarian spirit, uh, the uh, selection of managers, uh, when to get in, when to get out, you know, th these kind of things. And um, of course, I was writing uh, these books not just to get to earn uh, uh, fees, but in order to, as a, as a business card to give to investors. Yeah, no, super interesting um, how you met him and how you wrote the book too. But um, if, you, if we talk about personal investment strategy in today's world, right? So um, you, you left that space. How would you describe your investment strategy and philosophy um, that you use now by yourself? Well, uh, of course, um, at that time, the normal, um, the normal path is that uh, you uh, invest your money, uh, the money you have, in things that you know, and then things that you have some influence in, you know, companies in, in which you are a shareholder and you are sitting on the board or together with other people, other investors. Uh, as long as you know uh, what you are doing, um, I think that's the best thing to do because, of course, uh, uh, you, you are directly or indirectly in control of the situation and you can influence uh, the situation. But um, the normal path is that eventually there are not that many things that you can do so personally, and therefore uh, you have to allow for a certain percentage of your assets uh, to be invested uh, financially in the stock markets. And, uh, and um, over time, that is, uh, that, that percentage should uh, uh, increase because, of course, you are getting older. You can are not able to. You don't have the stamina, or the sometimes don't even have the wits to really understand what you are doing. <laughs> and therefore, if you want to prepare for a smooth succession of your um, wealth to your children, then you have to uh, to make it liquid. You have to. Uh, invest uh, basically uh, almost all your net worth in uh, uh, financial assets, and um, and uh, and then the question becomes how you select uh, the financial assets that you should invest in. And uh, um, I've been I've been looking at uh, uh, hedge funds since uh, the. The 90s, I've been looking at private equity. I've been looking at uh, uh, managers of uh, uh, wealth managers and so forth. And uh, eventually, I came to the conclusion that uh, um, uh, investing in uh, liquid markets in a passive, uh, with a passive mode, is really uh, the best thing that you can do. If you want to leave uh, uh, your wealth to your children and ensure that uh, that is uh, increases over the years, 
and then eventually is passed on to the grandchildren. So then, of course, eventually they will do what they want with it. But uh, as long as uh, you can get a real, in real term, uh, a return of six percent, that six percent is meager. You know, the, when you think um, when you come from private oh, equity like you, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's right. But uh, <clears throat> the fact is, six percent is feasible uh, for any, almost uh, for anyone. You know, and uh, and I must say that uh, the the circumstances that allowed me to make. Uh, incredible returns in private equity uh, are no longer there and uh, or at least uh, if they are there i cannot see them or even if i saw them i wouldn't be able to do it myself and therefore uh, with a six percent uh, uh, real return after after inflation of course and uh, taking sure making sure that uh, there are no taxes involved um, that kind of return uh, ensures uh, doubling your wealth every 12 years so that's uh, i would say that would be enough yeah no absolutely and uh you did mention um uh you know wealth across generations right kids and grandkids if i back this up for a second when when you know when you were working in private equity um i assume since you mentioned children you had children um so I, how did you teach the, to your children about money and, you know, and now you, you obviously had very successful businesses. So I assume there is, you, you, you amassed a nice net worth um, that you're managing that, you know, they might inherit in the future. How, how did you kind of go about teaching them? Because I think there's a lot of times that's where a lot of issues happen, right? <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. Yes, but that happens when there is a, um... When there is a family company, that is a family company making something, you know, uh, mm. and because then uh, uh, the, in Italy, in particular, family companies are part of uh, the the personality of the founder, and they are considered they are not considered um, an asset. They are considered family, and like the house of your grandparents, and you don't don't want. Uh, Normally, entrepreneurs don't want to get be separated from them, and they want to nail their children and grandchildren with a task of managing the family company forever. Mm -hmm. Of course, uh, that is um, in most of the cases is uh, uh, looking for trouble because, of course, uh, uh, rarely, very rarely, some of the uh, um, heirs of the founders have the the characteristics or the ability of the founder. So uh, normally, we this uh, uh, this way of conceiving your family company leads uh, to disaster in uh, nine cases out of ten. So it's uh, and you must uh, have seen that in your private equity. Um, oh, oh yes, right? I've seen it a number of times. Uh, in um, even even wrote an article once uh, in a, one of the leading papers uh, citing uh, very specifically making a reference to 40 uh, family companies that had gone bust in the last 20 years and uh, 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 by talking to lawyers, uh, consultants, accountants that were close to each, um, each case, uh, I identified uh, 10 uh, root causes of the disaster. And um, 
the root what the first root cause is uh, thinking that your son can uh, manage uh, the family company you know uh, the second is uh, taking over more debt that you can uh, really cope with you know that number of things and uh, of course uh, after writing that article i had uh, 40 enemies uh, in italy <laughs> more than the one they already had before but uh, they were they were kind of uh, powerless because their, their company had gone bust you know but uh, yeah. so uh, i i do believe that the you should uh, an entrepreneur should keep uh, uh, the, the ownership of the family company in-house in the family as long as there is a clear path to value creation. Uh, but these uh, paths to value creation over time uh, bounce against the limits, limits of uh, capital, limits of knowledge, limits of international expansion, and so forth. So the best thing is to uh, the next best thing is that before you 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 break your head into a, a wall because you have reached some of these limits, then let somebody else do the, the work that needs to be done in order to uh, continue value creation, which means let uh, a private equity uh, take over or let an industrial player take over. And then at that point, um, the family has money and that money should be invested uh, uh, as I said, in uh, a number of asset classes, but uh, I believe that for the long term, the only classes you should invest in is uh, uh, stocks, uh, stocks for the long run, you know, as a, um, as a people say, because they are a hedge against inflation, they are hedge against uh, dislocations from uh, one area of the world to another area of the world, and uh, you you surf on the growth of the world and uh, the world uh, no matter what is uh, bound to grow and uh, you piggyback on it that's uh, the normal thing to do yeah no absolutely have you talked about uh, so then you didn't have that issue with you know kids taking over no, that no, business no no because it's uh, i'm sorry i was forgetting to forgetting to say that uh, <clears throat> it um in a in a in a professional, whether it is uh, private equity or, um, or, uh, or or consulting, things are so personal, so linked to the per so specific for the person, they cannot be inherited. You know, you, uh, when you go to a surgeon for a heart operation, you want to make sure that the surgeon is. The best. Uh, you, yes. you want to go to somebody who said, "Well, I'm the son of a surgeon." They say, "Okay, uh, <laughs> go someplace else." So yes. there was never any question of uh, uh, my son or my daughter taking over uh, the the consulting business. They did other things, and uh, but uh, um, eventually, my son uh, is uh, became very uh, shrewd in. Uh, investing uh, you know, small pockets of money and then eventually learn to invest uh, bigger pockets of money and now eventually he will take over uh, the, all the activity of investing in uh, in financial markets and in alternative assets but always with the ratio of uh, um, 90 percent financial markets and uh, 10 percent uh, uh, alternative assets so 
Gianfilippo, um, last question. If you could turn back time, right? And you talk to your 18 year old self when you just arrived back in the US from your high school exchange, what would you tell him? Well, um, I wrote a book some 20 years ago called, uh, the, the title is uh, Success of Others. Uh, the mm. success of others is a lesson from consulting. And uh, there is a section uh, for uh, our advice to young people. And uh, that section, uh, what I wrote 20 years ago, uh, would be the same that I would write today. And uh, basically, um, of course, you have to learn, learn, learn. And you have to learn internationally. You have to study. You have to go. Uh, sacrifice yourself and uh, and uh, uh, go to whatever company ensures you ensure that you get the best learning, the best opportunity. And uh, but you don't. It might not be your final career, but the first um, ten years after after college or after business school are years of learning. And um, while you are learning, then you have always to look on the lookout, uh, uh, to be on the lookout for the next thing. You know, in, a, in a, what I was very late in doing, it was jumping from private, from consulting to private equity. And um, I've seen other people done it, you know, so do it. Uh, for instance, uh, I'd worked uh, with uh, Ronald Coyne, who was the founder of Apex. He was a McKinsey, but uh, at the time that I became uh, a, a director of McKinsey, he had already uh, jumped ship and, uh, and found and decided to found uh, uh, Apex. Of course, being London, he was uh, more exposed to uh, alternative uh, careers, alternative ways of uh, becoming a financial entrepreneur. In Italy, we were kind of behind. So I should have, uh, uh, at a time where we had separated the Investitoria Society from consulting for the reason of a conflict of interest, I should have stayed with the Investitoria Society rather than in consulting. So that's uh, the only regret, but it's not much of a regret because I had fun anyhow. Yeah. No, this is great. I think uh, uh, great stuff, Gianfilippo. I really appreciate that you were able to spend the time with us today. Uh, I think there's so many good lessons. <laughs> we might have to even do it again because I know you have a lot more other stories. So, uh, you know, maybe we, we, we do get together again, but this is super Very interesting. I think our audience will absolutely love this. Um, so thank you so much. I'm That's it for the show this week. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe and leave us a review. The reviews really help us and we love reading your comments as well. In Your Best Interest is hosted by me, Philip Müller, we're produced by Stashaway and we're mixed by Mo Ramley.